This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features Eight Oaks Farm Distillery. Please take a moment to subscribe to be notified when the most recent episode has been uploaded. Feel free to reach out to Eight Oaks Farm Distillery and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. I'm here with Caitlin Bagenstos of Eight Oaks Farm Distillery. Caitlin, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. You're welcome. I am so excited. We just finished taping uh, the Fermented Adventure, Fermented Adventure, the show uh, on RVN TV, and we had a great time. This gives us a chance to do the podcast, sit down, go uh, more in depth, talk about the distillery and uh, everything you're doing, the great spirits you're producing. Caitlin, so Eight Oaks Farm Distillery, how did all that get started? So it started out with our owner and co-founder, Chad Butters, uh, was getting ready to retire from the Army and needed something, um, looking into a family business where he could incorporate um, a lot of different things like community, agriculture, and also he wanted a job that allowed him to go home to his family every night because with all the traveling he'd done, he was away a lot. So now he wanted something that um, he could uh, have as a family-owned business. Uh, lo and behold, here's Eight Oaks. The permits were changing at just the right time where distilleries were now able to open and start producing. So he went in head first and decided we're going to grow the grains as well. So for Chad, what, what branch of the service was he doing? Some of he the was things? in the army. Yep, okay. And he was, I actually don't know a lot of what he did. Okay. It was he covert. He yes. doesn't talk about too much. Um, but he was a, a pilot. A pilot. Yep. yep. Okay. And were there, and, and again, were there any experiences that he had that, you know, at some different part that lent him to be interested in the distillery business? It's definitely a great mix of drinking okay. and farming, um, which you don't get uh, in a lot of parts. Um, Pennsylvania really was a place that he found these great roots. Um, and also um, just the sense of community and family and uh, like I said, the permits were changing at the time, and it just was a really great opportunity to take. Now, Eight Oaks Farm Distillery, what year did you open, or what year did they start distilling? So the building was built in 2015, and then uh, we opened the doors to the distillery in 2016. So what's really fun and exciting is, essentially, you're still a very young and new distillery, but you're at that point where you've got your basic um, spirits that you produce down, and you're starting to incorporate different things, different um, you know experimental items. You know, somebody gets an idea, and we'll talk about that a little bit. But you're really you know talk about 
that part of where the distillery is in, in the life of the, the craft spirits industry? We've definitely really, um, we have a well-rounded uh, line of products to offer our community. There's definitely a lot of things in the industry that are really starting to become popular, and we want to dip our toes in that as well. And we're always looking to offer something new and interesting. We want to keep everybody coming back to the distillery, um, you know, keep coming back for your regular good time, but also try something new. Give us that honest feedback and let us know how we're doing. So eight, Oaks Farm Distillery. How did you get your name? So we actually started out as Eight Oaks Craft Distillers. Okay. We recently went through a name change to be Eight Oaks Farm Distillery. Uh, the farm distillery really incorporates the aspect of the farming that we do. We have some acreage right behind the distillery that we grow our grains and also out at Chad's Farm um, and also some of the other farms of our neighbors is, is where we grow all of our grains. So what are the grains that you're currently growing when people come to to the distillery, what are some of the grains that they'll see that are on the farm right now? So we have corn, rye, wheat, and barley that we grow. And uh, the field behind us was actually corn last year. So I'm not quite sure what's planted there this year, but that corn that was in that field is now in the grain bin, will be bourbon within the next couple months. What's really exciting is when you go to the distillery and you sit out, and I know you've got the uh, the, the, the fire, fire pits, pits yep. but in the middle of the summer... When you're sitting out with your cocktail or you're just sipping on one of your fine spirits, you'll be able to look out on the farm, see the grain as it grows Absolutely. and knowing that that's going to end up in a bottle Absolutely. sometime soon, which is you – know, and, and I love cocktails. But if you go to a bar, you're not going to have that same grain – you know, farm to glass experience, but what, you know, there's like this romantic essence to me oh, absolutely. about being in a spot where you get to enjoy and see what's being grown and harvested and all those things. And you're doing it right there. That's, that's so exciting. I, yeah. I think it's, I'm, I'm a little geeked out no, on it. So it's exciting like, for there's me. There's no strangers in the relationship. <laughs> we know exactly the field where the grain came from. We know exactly where it was processed, where it was milled, um, which is nice too, from a control, like a quality control standpoint, we're the only ones handling this, which is really nice. So eight oaks, where did that name originate? The Eight Oaks itself. So the number eight is very significant um, in our history. And especially with Chad, it was a tradition that he shared with his grandfather. So at the end of every letter, which we don't write a lot of letters anymore, but at the end of the letter, he would sign with the number eight. And that was to signify the eight letters in I love you. So instead of writing that, you would see this little eight. And if you go to the distillery, you'll see some little eights kind of hanging out. Um, but then the Oaks portion of our name comes from the fact that by law, we need to age our whiskeys in new American oak barrels. Um, but also the oak tree itself is a sign of strength and longevity and something that we really, really would like um, for our life here at Eight Oaks. I'm, I'm just wondering when the, the idea started of writing an eight to signify I love you, because I never heard of that clever. until I came to your distillery. Mm -hmm. How how I'm just wondering, like, how long did he do that and sign with the eight and and people just did did he did he like let the cat out of the bag right hey when I sign an eight it means I love you or or was yep. it like for all these years people 
Why did he sign an eight? Nobody that? never did. You know, it, never knew. It really was um, a really tight knit family tradition. Um, so even Carly has a nice infinity sign um, on her wrist too. So you'll see it more in just our name. You'll see it written to, on notes to each other, or um, you know, at the end of text messages, you'll see it. So it really is a more of a communication for our Eight Oaks crew. Um, it, whenever you see that eight, it means hey, you're doing a good job. Like I'm thinking about you. Good job. I think that as a symbol for something, it really emphasizes, because I've heard you say it, family, absolutely, community, that you're part of something here. And it's the grandfather's tradition to really draw people into that. I think it's befitting that, you know, where we are in February, we're coming up to Valentine's mm-hmm. Day. I, I hope more people are going to be signing things with the an eight. eight. And, yeah, and I, I think it'd be fun to just have people go around taking pictures of eights with with uh, with eight oak swag or oh, or something like that yeah, and post sure. them on your social yeah, media. Love to see the eights that everywhere. right? I mean, you know, because again, as a as as a as a visitor, as a consumer, as somebody who now gets to enjoy your spirits, that's just another connection to be part of what's going oh, on at the distillery. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. I lo- I was taken the first time I came to the distillery. I saw that. and I'm like. Wow, that is so powerful. It shows love. It shows connection that that it's we talk about. about. It's really cool. Sure. It's cool. I, I I don't have any tattoos, but all right, you know maybe that might be the next. That could be the first, the first tattoo yeah. in eight. Yeah, there you yeah. go. We'll and go then, together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you find your way to the distillery? So I started out in healthcare. That's where I thought I was destined to be. And I started helping out at the distillery. Carly uh, hit me up and needed some help uh, in the tasting room. Making now, you grew cocktails. up with Carly? So Carly moved to Nutripoli, I believe it was sophomore year. I remember she was in my, in my bio class. Um, and then shortly after, we became friends and we've been friends ever since. Um, but Carly met her now husband, Logan, and I've known Logan's a long time, most of my life. Um, so it was really cool to have somebody so new and then somebody that I've known my whole life meet. And now out of this, there's this incredible family owned business. What was that like when they communicated to you, hey, Caitlin, would you like to come and distill and, with us do that. or work and, and be part of what we're doing? So the distillery itself is about a half mile down the road from where I grew up. Okay. So my whole life, I was driving past this blank lot. One day, there was a distillery there. And then when Carly mentioned that she needed some help with cocktails, I was like, okay, what's really going on <laughs> down at this distillery that's right down the street from me? So then once I was hanging out there, getting to meet everybody on the crew, um, seeing the customers, how well the community responded to something like this, it really it sucked me in right away. And uh, a couple months later, I left my full-time job in healthcare to come full-time as a distiller and production planner for Eight Oaks. I love the story because, like you said, you, you've, you've driven past here a lot of time, an open lot, and then what rises is this curiosity, which for New Tripoli, you know, there are, there are a lot of distilleries in and around the Lehigh Valley area and, and that part of Pennsylvania, but this is really coming up and now it's a curiosity for people. And I think a lot of times, and, and you would have an experience, people walk in your door 
And, and and the first thing is they don't necessarily know what to expect, okay, right? They have no idea. Yeah. So what's that? What's that been for you? What's that reception been like? What was your experience when people walk in the door and it's their first time going to a distillery or your distillery? The thing I love is when customers will come in and look at the distillation set. That's when the stories come out. That's when oh, you know, my grandfather had a still and he was making this, or I used to make this with my dad. It's really a big part of our history. In, in that area is the, the moonshining and bootlegging and whatnot. So we're not out here making moonshine, uh, but a lot of our customers have with their family and friends as well. And we still have customers that will bring us a little sample of what they've really? been working on. So wow. it's cool to see this kind of connection from this underlying kind of moonshining setting to now an official whiskey producing distillery and Chipotle really combines uh, both worlds and it's a really cool connection. So for a lot of the things you get a chance to distill now, were there spirits growing up that you didn't really consume or know about. Now it's been this whole new experience, this eye-opening experience for you. Well, it's it's quite funny because I remember tasting schnapps for the first time and thinking, Was it oh peppermint or peach? It was tropical fruit. Oh, wow. It was okay. tropical fruit. And All even right. that, I was like, how do people drink this? Okay. It had this weird plastic smell to it. It burned. Burned, yeah. It's like, how am I ever going to like alcohol right. when I get older? Okay. Then you get your first sip of beer from dad. Oh, this doesn't taste good either. I don't know how anybody can drink this. And then I discovered wine. When uh, I became 21, I started going on these wine trips with my mom. And up in uh, New York at the Finger Lakes, they're also coming out with distilleries and cideries. Yeah, and the Finger Lakes distilleries exactly. up there. There's a couple of really good a ones. A bunch. And it was just this whole other world I didn't know about. Then I had good booze. Then I had what good liquor tastes like. And it's amazing. It really is. Um, it's science. It's uh, craft. It's it's more than just, you know, making alcohol. Um so it's definitely a lot of fun. And then cool. you get to now go behind the wall, the glass wall, and you get to distill. It's very, yeah. What was that like for you? I mean, it just this sounds like such a whole progression. You drive past an empty lot. A building goes up. It's a distillery. Would you like to come help out with cocktails and things like that? Oh, and hey, you know, come way, back here and we'll fire up the still. Yeah. We'll show you how to mash build and all those things. I was really, really nervous. Okay. I remember um, my biggest concern was crushing equipment because I knew it was expensive and I didn't want to be the first one to come in and crush tanks or, or destroy something. So I was really nervous. But the more I got comfortable with it, um, the more I was working on the equipment, uh, the more Logan taught me. It just almost became a second nature. I know for a fact there are some things that Logan and I could do with our eyes closed just because we do it so often um, and we do take so much passion in what we do. From our conversations so far, I really get this level of you love doing this. Oh, I love this. You you love, love it. getting into the fermentation and the distilling and 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 all that goes along with it. What was that aha moment for you that you said, I I like this. This is fun. I think honestly it was when I tasted the rye whiskey. Was it? Um when I had started we didn't have any of our aged spirits available. I tasted the rye whiskey and I was like holy crap, this is it's this is happening. This is going to happen. Um, a truly amazing product. I get to work with my best friends every day. Um, if you're having a bad day, which doesn't happen too often, you're already in a great place. <laughs> I imagine people are running around with rubber stamps, <laughs> yeah, exactly. like putting eights on your forehead or oh, something. I love that. <laughs> 
So um, it's definitely just a great work environment. And then to be able to have that satisfaction that you produce something that somebody else loves, it really is a great feeling. So when you share with friends, family that know you, know you growing up and they say, you know, what are you doing? And you say, I'm, I'm a, a distiller. distiller. What What's the response for that? So... Um, actually, a lot of people are not surprised. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I thought my, I always thought I'd be in healthcare just because I was always fond of science. Well, when it comes to distillation, whiskey making, it is a science, but it's a totally different side of science. Um, so for them to see me in kind of a booze related setting, that I don't seems think natural not. for them. Yeah. Um, I did have a good time at Bloomsburg. Go Huskies. OK. Um, and then being able to find something that I can incorporate what I've learned into, you know, something that others can enjoy. It's really a, it's a cool process. That is so fascinating. And look, one of the things that comes out, I mean, you can't see this on a podcast, but your eyes light up talking about this. Um, your voice becomes very strong about it. And I can see that one of the things we've talked about is the creativity that you get to also express and seeing people enjoy what you're producing as well. So that first time you fired up the still, um, do you remember what you made the first time? Yes. So that was when um, I was working on my first stripping run and it was a rum mash. So we didn't have any grain involved, which is probably easier on the cleanup looking back. Um, but I was actually loading up uh, the distillation set uh, with some rum mash and I was chattering away with Chad and I heard something and I go to the back of the still and all of the rum mash is spilling out of the still. So that was my biggest lesson. I now know to close all valves before pumping anything. Yeah, there should be a sign, um, right? Close yeah, all valves before exactly. pumping. Exactly. Um, so never, well, I can't say never, but I haven't done that again. Um, so definitely a little nerve wracking. So you have the owner over your shoulder and you're, hey, this is this is your first yeah. time, right? Oh, hey, yeah, look at you. Go. Yeah. It's so great. And then I'm sending rum mash down the drain. Um, but at the end of the day, we're all having fun. Uh, we're all here for each other, and I still have all my hands and <laughs> my, my uh, feet, so a little bit of rum mash. Down the drain is okay. Yeah. And lesson learned, because now I close all my valves. <laughs> there you go. Close all your valves. Exactly. That should be like one of the stickers or something you- Oh, valves you, like and on ventilation the shirt. Yeah. should be like a bumper sticker for distillers. That's a yeah. good idea. Valves and ventilation. You then started to distill things, and everything was going well. And now you get to, to make some, some great products. Some new stuff. Yeah. For so, sure. um, you, you, you started out, and as I understand it, on clear spirits for the distillery. What were some of the first clear spirits that the distillery produced? So, and this was before I had, um, hopped on to the Eight Oaks crew. Um, but they opened up with vodka, Applejack, and our colonial rum, which is a clear molasses based rum. The gin is what came later, and that was really a collaboration with Logan and the customers. He made a different, a couple different micro blends of different uh, gin profiles, and then he had the customers come in and just give him raw feedback. We like this blend. We don't like this blend. And then from there, he was able to kind of combine everybody's feedback into the ultimate gin. For and you brought community. some of the gin. Let's let's yeah, try it. Let's absolutely. talk to uh, let's talk to people as to what that is. It's a nice big heavy bottle, as you can hear. It is. And gin is really becoming more popular because the botanicals themselves, you can totally switch up. Ours consists of 
lemongrass, rosemary, orange peel. We have some coriander in there. And um, what's nice is because you have some citrus notes is you can kind of play around with your cocktails a little bit more. It's not just a gin and tonic anymore. You can do a gin and lemonade or um, you can even do um, we have a really fun drink at the tasting room. And What's the fun drink? It's called the Drunken Botanist, okay. which is a fun name I, to go with the yeah. fun drink. Um, and all we do is we take that orange peel, we take some rosemary, and we'll actually add some peppercorns. And we muddle that with the gin and top it with club soda. So we're really emphasizing that rosemary flavor and the orange flavor um, in the gin with a little bit of club soda. It really sounds like it brings out a lot more of the savory to that cocktail. Now, Which is huge. What's yeah. people's reactions to gin when they when they you know you talk about it or what, when you when you have people come into the distillery? You what's get, their general reaction? Whenever I ask if I have gin fans, it's usually 50-50. I get really enthusiastic, me me, I love gin, and then I get the ones that hang their head and never want to talk about that experience okay. that they had with gin. Um, unfortunately, our affordable gins at a young age are very heavy on the pine flavor or pine flavor. Um, they quote unquote Christmas tree. Yes. So that doesn't equal a very nice hangover. And when you have something with such a unique flavor and it does something so awful to you, anytime yeah, it's you get, right? yeah, you never want to go back there again. Every time you get that smell, you're not going to want to drink it because you're going to associate it with that awful experience. I say, no, no, no. Just forget about all those other gins. We're a different gin. Close your eyes and take a smell. And then once they pick up those citrus notes, it's a lot easier to convince somebody to give it a go. I think that that's one of the things that first what you ask them to do is let their nose guide them to guide what them. their experience Absolutely. is going to be. Because they've got something in their mind of what to expect. And then you allow them to really it's always like i think the nose is the curtain that goes up before the big theatrical play Absolutely. and and kind of gives you an idea of the overture of of what you're going to expect and and this is the second time now i've had the gin in a short amount of time and what is now coming up seems a little bit different than what was before and for me it's the lemongrass is more highlighted mm -hmm. um i'm actually getting more of a sweetness yeah, too yeah it really is so it's 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 that fun road that you kind of meander down as it may change its profile a little bit. So they, they try this and their response is, well, now I'm a gin fan. Yeah. Or it's the – Or you converted wow, them. Wow. That's yeah. really good. That's what I – it's that wow. That's really good. Yeah. And it's just a matter of trusting your senses. If you don't like it, hey, that's fine. I won't be offended. There are things I of don't course. like. Of course. Absolutely. But give it a try and I guarantee it will change your mind. What – I think stands out for your gin that we're enjoying today is it's a nice sipping gin. And the botanical side of things allows it to be something that you can enjoy on your own. And people, as we talked about your early experience with gin is you almost have to throw tonic in there and soda in there or mix it with something that's going to take Make away the harshness easier. or that. Right. Um, what, what really stands out on this is you can – Pour this in a glass. You can put a little ice cube or a couple ice cubes. You can muddle something simple with it. Yep, just top it with a little and lemon that's, peel. That's all you and need. That's it. That's that, that's a tribute to the gin that you're producing. This is really nice. Awesome. It really Thank is. You. And and for those, I would say, uh, of all you know, the gin people that to think about what they like or don't like, the juniper or the pininess is really not focus forward here. 
you really get a complement of a number of different things. Absolutely. It's really enjoyable. Yep. Good for a lot of different palates. And then uh, we did take our American gin and we decided to experiment and we threw it in a used Chardonnay barrel. That experiment actually turned out really well. And that is what's It turned now. out so well. When is it being released? It, we will have more in the beginning of March. Okay. The very beginning of March. Um, it lasts a, or hangs out in the barrel for a full year in the Chardonnay barrel. And um, we definitely wanted to use a white wine because we didn't want to mask all the flavors of the gin. But there's so many different white wines uh, out there. So we decided to go ahead and give the Chardonnay a try. And the butteriness of that wine really complemented the gin, which is important when you're working uh, with different barrel profiles and what spirit you're putting in there, too. What ideas do you have in your head that you haven't tried yet that you've come across that you like to see the, the eight oaks do? We want to experiment with some maple and honey. Um, that's huge right now. You can get even ex-vanilla barrels, um, which would be really awesome for a rum. So there's definitely all kinds of options for us, but Logan and I kind of like to predict what the industry is doing. So we do a lot of research. We see what's popular, what people are drinking, but then it's also important to look at uh, where the industry is going. What's the next best thing? I think though, what I would impart to the conversation is you are where the industry is going and they're reacting to the creative opportunities that you provide. So we talked a little bit earlier about coffee beans. Yeah. And you have somebody that's taking some of your barrels and putting roasted coffee beans, and then you're going to get those barrels back. So some of them we have gotten back and they've been filled with our colonial rum. So it's not like we're, you know, filling a barrel with all these coffee beans and putting some liquor in. It's going to be a nice subtle coffee flavor. We'll see what kind of color we get. And with coffee beans, you can get bitterness too. So this is just one of those experiments where we're going to have to see what happens in about a year and a half, you know, 18 months and see what kind of flavors really came through. To me, this is the exciting part of the conversation. Because look what you get to play with. Somebody says, hey, uh, let me have your barrel and I'm going to throw some coffee beans in there and then I'm going to give it back and you can decide what you want to put it. You could put a vodka in there. You could put a rum in there. And to me, you know, the conversation about where the rum industry is going, that's one of those you know, the sky's the limit for There's what so you can do. You can do for sure. It almost is like it's we, we we've got a lot of what people are doing with bourbon. Let's take that and transfer that to what to, to what rum can be doing. Exactly, especially with this whole double casking, using wine barrels or using double char barrels. It's huge. You don't see a lot of rums that have been into all those different barrels and stuff. So it'll definitely be interesting to see, you know, what spiced rums get double casted or if you're just going to see a rise in aged rums with no spicing. Um, so like we were talking before, it, it is a tapped um, part of the market, but at the same time, it's very untapped. So I know we have a number of bottles to try. Oh, we and <laughs> we, Yeah. Um, and I think when we, we discussed you're making 12 spirits right now at the distillery. It's about 12. That's what I can count right now. Okay. Give or take one or two. Um, oh. And we do sell out of the more popular ones. So the Pinot Noir finished bourbon is by far one of our most popular sellers. Um, this we're releasing right now three times a year until we have enough bourbon um, to actually keep the Pinot Noir uh, up in stock all the time. 
which will be soon. So where are your Pinot Noir bourbon barrel? Where are the barrels coming from? So we actually work with a cooperage in Lansdale, uh, Northeast Barrel Cooperage, and they take care of all of our wine barrel needs. They get a lot of their wine barrels from California. Okay. So really nice high grade. You can see the wine diamonds on the outside of the barrel when you get them. Um, and then we get all of our traditional barrels from Kelvin Cooperage down in Kentucky. So we use a nice char three. Um, and then we also have some toasted barrels from Kelvin as well. Now, do you designate or do you determine with them what your char is going to be? Nope. So we've actually been using the char three pretty much as long as I can remember. But the char definitely goes to what your finished flavor will be. So if you like something super smoky, super heavy on that burnt wood, you, you can actually get a char five. They have the char five available. Okay. Um, whereas we have all the way down to the toasted level where there's essentially no char, just nice and lightly toasted and we'll put Applejack in that. So it doesn't cover up the apple flavor, but we're still getting the sweetness from the barrel aging. I think, you know, what the conversation is, and where, again, you get to play with some different things, is, you know, how do you toast the barrel? And what char do you give the barrel? And and really, you know, and, and the conversation is like, you know, is it 75% of the flavor gets imparted through the barrel or 80% or, you know, there, there are things we could talk about the barrel and the yeast and, oh, and, 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 you know, what that enhances with the grain and the sugars and all of that. Uh, so you really have a sense of, of the, the barrels you want to use for what you're producing. Exactly. So what else are we drinking? What do you we got? Are going so we'll start with the traditional bourbon okay and then because then you can taste the difference with the pinot i love that so our bourbon i mean you can hear us moving glasses around and and and, and bottles around the bourbon is super high on the corn it's 75 percent corn 15 percent rye and 10 percent wheat and 10 percent. so it's a weeded bourbon yep uh we did which i gravitate towards i really do especially it's really nice in whiskey. Um, so we did start incorporating barley into our bourbon mashes, but we didn't get into those barrels yet. Okay. So later on so this year. So then it's, it's going to become a four grain. It will You're doing be a, a four, four grain. grain. Yep. Okay. So currently it's in its three grain. And then uh, once we got that barley harvested, we started incorporating that into the mash bill. So um, we will certainly. Let everybody know when that switches. Now, are you malting your barley on site? We are not. But Is that a plan? Another... Are you going to do a, a malting house? So Logan did a, a nice little testing trial um, of malted barley, and it worked out great. So that's definitely one of the next chapters for us is different malts. And then um, from there, you know, malting our own grain for different flavors. So could there be a single malt? Coming out of the distillery? It's on the to-do list. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It is absolutely on the to-do list. Awesome. Now, what that really gives me a vision of is how the guest, how people that are going to visit the distillery are really going to get this wonderful experience of here's our field, this is our grain, here's our malting house because we don't as, you know, we don't get to see that. Exactly. Now you have a better understanding as you do the distillery tour as to what goes into the whole production side Um, of things. We're definitely growing. We're looking to have a campus, a farm resort. We want um, plenty of things for our customers to do. And a lot of that is seeing the operations and what's going on. So the nice part about being out in the farmland as well is we have plenty of room 
to expand. Uh, definitely malting is another one of those um, parts in the industry that as people become comfortable with it, they see the flavors that are coming out of it, a lot more people will be using it. So it's just a matter of dipping our toes in, seeing what we like, and then uh, bringing it onto the home and, base. And then and doing, doing it. And it's it's yep. exciting that you're already there. So. I, I, the nose on here is, is, is very earthy. Very corny. Yeah. I, corny. Very corny. <laughs> I, I get more of an earthy sense, but I, there, it's not. There's something about that corn. It's oil. not a sweet corn, though. It's almost like the husk corn, not necessarily mm-hmm. the corn itself. Like when you, when you pull open a husk the first time. It, it, that like fresh Yeah, corn, that's yep. what I get. Yep. But before that, before that, before that, you know, sweet corn kicks in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you get some smoke on that. I do fin- I you know what? It's you you do get the corn that finishes out, but again, it's more like a raw corn mm-hmm. to me. Yep. You don't it's it's not a sweet bourbon. And then the wheat really mellows this out. It, it, it sits. There's not a high proof. There's not a high alcohol, ethanol amount to this. It's just a very soft, you know, little it's, – it's like a little kiss on the palate. A little bourbon kiss. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it is. A little bourbon kiss. Yes. A little spiciness on the second time around that, that sits on the side. You get a little – Oh, yeah. You'll definitely get some cinnamon. for it. Yeah. Absolutely. What's the proof on this? So this is 88. Actually, all the spirits we're tasting today are 88. What are they going into the barrel at? 120. 120. Yep. And that uh, simply is just so that the ethanol has um, more concentration to break down the wood sugar. Actually releasing that wood sugar, sweetening it, giving the color. Uh, we don't use any artificial anything. So. And you're blending. The, so this is a blend of a number of different barrels yep. that you're working with. And the barrels that you're using, I know you're progressing into the 53s, but right now these are 25s that you're they producing are. your bourbon. And how long is this aged for? So right now, the rye whiskey and the bourbons are at about 22 months in the 25s. So we're just shy of the two years, um, but we are also going to be tapping into our 53-gallon inventories shortly as well. So then we'll be blending our 25-gallon barrels with our 53-gallon barrels. And whenever Logan and I are tasting, whoever is around helping us taste, it's a consistency. Obviously, right now it is getting older, so we assume it's getting better, but you really need to tap every barrel. We have this one that... You it haven't got, even it touched got it. pulled back twice already. Oh, okay. It's a smaller barrel. It's amazing what one month can do. But for this barrel, we he got booted again. So he's okay. going <laughs> to stay up in the barn for a couple more months. But it is really important to taste every barrel because it's very different. That must be fun the day you're walking the day through. You're tasting. Now, you're, you're, per, you're part of that whole production process. Um, you know, how are you storing your barrels? What's the process there? So we did have a beautiful barrel barn uh, built for us last summer and we took all the barrels that were being housed in the distillery up to our barrel barn it is getting quite full already but everything is non-temperature regulated we have them stacked on pallets and we do rotate them occasionally and that's because some of your barrels at the top will get a lot more warmth than the ones at the bottom of the barn so uh, it's important to rotate your barrels yeah and and for you know where we are in Pennsylvania there's really not been a cold winter that we've had this year. Mm-mm. It's been a mild winter. So I'm sure that 
comes into your mind Absolutely. in thinking, wow, we, we've really got to be more uh, on top of our game as far as monitoring these barrels because it's been warmer. They haven't had – I mean, if you think about it, it's probably five or six weeks that it's going to be below 32 mm-hmm. uh, at least overnight. Mm-hmm. And, and you're really going to get that different complexity of what's going on in the barrel. But now, you know, we, we've had days – we've had a couple of days in a row where it's been in the high 30s, low 40s. Mm-hmm. And, and there's been no cold consistency. I mean, I've, I've seen right. buds on trees and, and all that stuff exactly. starting to come up. So as, as, as somebody that's responsible, that's really – you know, every day isn't boring. You've got to think ahead. Be doing something right? every day. Because a lot of this Absolutely. stuff could be maturing faster. And like you said, we've got to get this lower. We've got to maybe move this up higher and, mm-hmm. and, and think and about where we are production-wise. When you tap into a barrel and see. And um, as we you know, start to expand, we will get some temperature regulation in the barn. Uh, we do uh, just recently got some sensors, too. So we'll actually start um, collecting data, seeing the life of a barrel, what temperatures it goes through, and how did that compare to one that was you know, the same part of the barn, but Maybe it was up five pallets. Um, so it's really interesting to see the weather's effect on the barrel, um, especially if you sit one outside when it's nice and sunny. You can see um, some of the seams of the barrel. They will actually be breathing, and you can see some whiskey kind I'd of. I'd love to see. I would love to see it's like a really time-lapse cool. photography of that. Of seeing you it. Know, yeah. oh, it would be amazing. I mean, yeah. and then you've, you, when you think about it, then you've got the stave itself. And, and the tightness of the wood grain or the looseness mm-hmm. of the wood grain, all the things that go into Everything. that barrel. And then you think, all right, we got to move these things around, exactly. right? There's a lot that goes on to this. Yep. this it's, you're busy every day, aren't you? We have something going on all the every time, day. for sure. Yeah. Um, what else do you have that we can try? So what we'll do now is you we just do had the, the Pinot traditional. Noir? Yeah, we had the traditional bourbon. Yeah, twist my arm. Go so ahead. So now <laughs> we're going to do this Pinot Noir. And using wine barrels is I love that sound really, of you opening that it's, up. It's always the Pinot, yeah. too. Is it? So the wine barrels um, really add some nice color, some nice texture, but it really takes the heat off the whiskey. So we just had the traditional bourbon. You're going to get that heat that you associate with whiskey. I'm really excited about trying your four grain as well. Oh, that is going to be good. Once you get the barley, it's going to be really good. Um, So what's nice about the Pinot is if you are a red wine drinker, you can certainly pick up that mustiness, that red raspberry flavor. Right on the nose. um, Guess how long the Pinot uh, Noir bourbon is actually in the Pinot barrel for? I'm thinking only four or five months. Three. Three months. All right. I, I, over, I overshot. That is an excellent guess. So, yeah, very short amount of Cause time. Because you don't want this to really dry out because you already have the oakiness coming through on the barrel anyway. And if you wanted to drink wine, yeah. you would have wanted to dr- drink wine. Yep. So Good we, comment. Yep. So we I just like want to bring in a little bit of that red wine, kind of take off the heat, make it a really nice sipping whiskey. Yep. What I love and and being a chance to talk, having a chance to talk to somebody that's doing the distilling, because really what's going into the bottles is for you and Logan and Chad, your vision. You 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 incorporate what people have to offer as far as their feedback. But this is what you want to see going in and coming out and going into a glass. I'm glad that you mentioned the raspberries, you know, because you've already experienced that. You know if you're mm-hmm. tasting this or nosing this going through the barrels. This is what you want to expect, right? Exactly. So having an opportunity to talk about your vision or what your perception as to how this should be. I'm always fascinated when you you know the 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 um you know the forefathers of of bourbon and and how 
they've been able to remain so consistent mm-hmm. and going through. But it's their mind already knows. Yep. Their mind is already conditioned to say, that's exactly what I want this First, I wanted to. This is the smell. I know mm-hmm. it's going to be good in the barrel. I know it's going to be good in the glass. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And is that what you're learning? Have, have you gotten more conditioned and more used to that? Absolutely. Just it's this sense of intuition that you develop. You kind of have your good feelings and your bad feelings, which only comes with experience. Um, and it's very interesting too. You know, Logan and I tend to have the same bad feeling, or we'll have the same good feeling about things. Um, so a lot of it is practice and learning. Um, but you really do have to use your intuition too. There's something. I'm. I'm. I'm like, I keep going back to the nose of this because I think the it's grassiness a... and the earthiness still come out. Mm-hmm. But there's this sweet overtone. It's almost like, man. It's like somebody just took a Twizzler and waved it in the air. Yep. And I just, I got a little bit of it in the essence. And And that's um, all there really is. Cherry is definitely a flavor that you will get throughout our line. We've been noticing, especially with our Char 3 barrels, you get a very significant cherry flavor from that. So the bourbon is still starting out in those new barrels. We're switching it over for the last three months, so it's still going to retain those heavy cherry notes, um, especially uh, the rye is very heavy on cherry this, as well. The cherry, as you talk about, mm-hmm. is very pronounced. And it just, once you recognize, and that's the hardest part about sensory analysis, is you you smell something or you taste something, but you can't connect it to what it was before. Now hearing the cherry, it's like, wow, that's exactly what cherry smells and tastes like when you and when this this to me comes out and finishes like that first bite when you're holding the stem of a maraschino cherry and you bite it and you get the juiciness Mm -hmm. that comes out the overwhelming cherryness of it and the sweetness of it that's that's almost that experience that you you go through right now in in enjoying this bourbon it really comes out this is delicious I believe after I snagged this one, there's only three bottles left. All right, so hurry. <laughs> hurry to Eight Oaks Distillery. So you'll probably have to grab it on Thursday when we're open. Oh, okay. Um, but if not, we will be releasing um, some more Pinot bourbon. Here's what's uh, going to happen, though. By the time the podcast comes out, It'll you've already, already sold, sold out. out. Sorry. For those that right, expected. Folks, it's coming. When's the, next, when's the next release? We will be... I have it on the schedule already. It will be the middle of March. We will have more So Pinot. you've got the Chardonnay... Gin, old the, yep. the old Tom. You've got more Pinot, Pinot Noir, Noir bourbon, and, and then the other one. Uh, go ahead. So we took my personal favorite, the rye whiskey, and we also decided to put it in a wine barrel. And these are used tawny port barrels that we get from Portugal. So port is a very heavy um, dessert wine, very sweet. If you want to talk about blackberry and raspberry. You get that in the port for sure. Um, But again, it's the same concept of taking a rye whiskey that's been in its new barrels. And for the last couple months of its life, we're switching it over to a wine barrel. We're just going to take the heat off. We're going to add some of those wine flavors. And it's really been a great way for wine drinkers to introduce themselves to the whiskey world because now they kind of see something that they recognize. Well, I like Pinot Noir and I like port, so I will probably like this whiskey. And just like that, you've now turned a wine drinker into a whiskey drinker. I love the take on that. I I really appreciate the idea of trying to bring that wine drinker over to if their mindset is, ah, you know, you're talking 88 proof and I I just want my my glass of wine. 
this really is a transfer experience and that introductory experience to mm-hmm. try to enjoy that, just as we talked about with a gin drinker that may not be interested in drinking gin. Right. I will say, as a a distillery, as what you're producing, you're really providing uh, an introduction for people that if if, if you're not really sure or you haven't had some of these spirits, a rye, a bourbon, a gin, you know, vodka, yes. I mean, so we can have a sense of what to expect for vodka. But you're really giving them an opportunity to to really slow down and see what can be done at a craft distillery. Absolutely. And it's just helping the customer find out what they like, too. Um, It's really amazing to see the split between rye drinkers and bourbon drinkers. I haven't met too many people that will actually say, oh, I like both. I love bourbon and I love rye. I'll get the oh, I, I appreciate rye, but bourbon is my drink. Um, so it's really cool to see the way um, a customer will bond to a certain spirit. So it's kind of hard to get them to steer away from that. But when you're introducing kind of these mixed line products, um, it definitely helps out. We're an exciting time because rye itself is a Pennsylvania spirit. Rye and- you it's know, back. Pennsylvania was an important producer of rye. Mm-hmm. And then obviously going through prohibition, where we are today, rye to me is the Pennsylvania grain that is going to be the destination as mm-hmm. to why people are going to say, all right, let's look at Pennsylvania and all that they're doing for that rye experience. So it's you being on that cutting edge at forefront as far as what is happening. Mm-hmm. That's that's exciting. And it's oh, got to be exciting for you because, like you said, rye. You know, what was rye? I mean, exactly. that was Grandpa's drink or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it sat on the bar way in the back and or nobody really knew what to like do with rye it. bread. Yeah. Just rye bread. That's it. Nothing else. So it was very, um, yeah, rye has been very kind of tunnel vision to one thing. But now that we're starting to discover. Should we try some? Absolutely. So we're talking rye. Why don't we put some rye in the glass? Now, again, for me to understand your experience, rye, was that something you drank ever knew? Growing up, is that something you had? My father is a beer drinker. Okay. My mother is a wine drinker and my grandfather drank Windsor. Is Windsor scotch? I I, you know what? Put me on the it's, spot. I'm going to say yes. It's bad that I don't even and, know. And if the listeners want to write in and I say, know. okay. Sorry, Windsor. <laughs> I can't drink you. I, I'm sorry. I grew up with you. I can't drink okay. you. Um, so Are they still in business? I don't know. I don't now know, I feel better. Yeah, okay. It's a dark bottle that you'll see with the dust on the show. Okay. Um, so for me to actually find a whiskey that I enjoy was kind of like, oh, wait, I can do this. I can taste whiskey. I like this. Once I found something I liked, then it was easier for me to appreciate things about other spirits that I don't like. So I do prefer to drink rye over bourbon, and that's just because I don't like the heavy grain flavor. I like more of a smoothness to it. So it all goes back to um, what you like, but definitely rye whiskey, I think, is is going to be I love more it. popular. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially through your you know whole idea of hey, I'm going to try this. I don't like this. This is and this is my experience. Sure. And then you're like, oh, if I'm going to drink something, I want to rye. Right? I love it. Yep. So one of the things I can share with you and the enjoyment of in, you know trying some of your cocktails is there's not a lot of sweetness in the presentation that I find, and it really lends itself to me to start saying, all right. What kind of cocktails can I start to make with your spirits? Um, and, and what, 
what kind of things can I start to introduce? You have a cocktail program at the distillery. We do. Talk about that. Uh, we do post a lot of the recipes online as well. So if there's something in the tasting room that you've had and you absolutely need to have it again, you can certainly make it um, at home. The nice thing about our cocktail program is that um, our bartenders like to incorporate in-season fruits, definitely um, with herb garnishes. It totally changes uh, the flavor, but also it, it goes back to just complementing the spirit. We don't want to make a cocktail because we're trying to cover up something. We want to really um, express all the, the tastings and the flavors, um, so it's really important to not just go ahead and hit it with all these simple syrups and fancy garnishes and sugary juices. It's more about just taking the spirit and complementing that. I, I really see that um, as far as this rye, what I really enjoy, and I can see why it might be your favorite or is your favorite, the the spiciness, the mellowness. And this is 88 proof as well? This is 88, yep. So for a lot of ryes, there tends to be a pepperiness of it. Mm-hmm. Now, what I can share with you is as I sip it, it's, it's, it, it comes through in stages. I get a little bit of peppery. I don't get a lot of heat, mm-hmm. but I let it, I, I get to enjoy a lot of the, the rye. When you drink a rye, a lot of times you don't get to really experience the rye-ness, the rye-ness of the grain itself. Because it's with something else. Right. Yeah. And I think this really helps to introduce that to the palate and say, wow, this is a really nice, comfortable rye. And this is uh, very heavy on the rye. This is 90% rye, 10% corn. Um, so, I mean, the mash itself when we're cooking smells like oatmeal cookies. It's I love it so much. Um, so then to see the end product also be just as tasty. Is it's really rewarding. this is almost like an oatmeal cookie, but I don't get the sweetness of the raisin. Oh, the, there you go. Right, Perfect. you don't get that raisin burst, but you get the oatmeal. It's almost like a brown sugar yeah. flavor. Yeah, it's this is delicious. You brought one more that I don't want to be remiss about leaving out of the glass, which is our barrel aged applejack. Yeah, barrel aged applejack. Talk about that and how that got to where it is today. So applejack. We'll start with applejack because my the number one thing I hear is. What's Applejack? Right. Um, we kind of joke about it now because we already know that's going to be the number one thing a customer asks. What's Applejack? There's a lot of different variations of Applejack, um, but I will tell you ours is a 100% apple cider that is fermented and double distilled. So because it's made from 100% apples, it's a fruit. Which makes so it, what? Or, and I don't mean to put you on this. Yeah, I was going to say what's what? Yeah. It's, so because it's entirely fruit based, it. So this is a brandy. Which you expect your uh, brandies to be very sweet and thick. Well, because utilizing the Applejack name, Mm -hmm. we're used to that heavy syrupy liqueur or that heavy spirit that comes out of that. And for us, when we are introducing the barrel-aged Applejack to our customers, it's basically a whiskey is how we like to compare it. So um, we do offer the unaged Applejack, which is great for cocktails. Um, Mix it just as easily as vodka. And you'd be surprised some of the amazing things you can come up with um, just when you have that little addition of apple flavor going on. We did take the Applejack and at 120 proof, we put it in some used rye whiskey barrels. And also we have those toasted barrels that I was mentioning. And, uh, the you guys next- are mad scientists in oh, the distillery, aren't you? It's so fun. Yeah, <laughs> we do like uh, to do a lot of science experiments and stuff. But what we did find um, with the Applejack is it was 
definitely uh, preserving a lot more of the apple flavor when we were putting it in a used rye barrel versus a used bourbon barrel. Okay. Um, and I think that just simply goes back to the fact that bourbon already is a very heavy flavor whiskey. It has a lot of those uh, heavy compounds that add to all those corn flavors. So then when you're putting an apple product in with all these heavy corn flavors, which one's going to win? Is it going to be the apple or is it going to be those whiskey corn flavors? With the rye, you don't have the heaviness of the corn. So we're finding that it just really added a lot of those caramel sweetness notes rather than kind of overpowering it with the corn itself. The nose on this, I could just smell all day. It's it's Mickey Yankee candle out of this oh, or something. Absolutely. It, it's you. It's almost like and I talked to this. We talked about the TV show where you're walking past an orchard and that breeze you comes through. Breeze. You just get that apple note, not overwhelming. Um, it's it's just delicious. But you do also now. I'm, I'm getting some spiciness to it, some baking spice. And since we were tasting, we got our taste buds kind of enlightened and heated up. So probably picking up a lot more than uh, we did on the previous tasting. Oh, uh, it's still Jack delicious. Is, it's a great introductory product too, because if somebody's a little nervous to try bourbon or rye, the Applejack definitely has some more heat. But you're not going to get the green flavors that you associate with your whiskey. I could think of many reasons, you know, a fall night just sitting out by your fire pit. Again, maybe a nice little ice cube or just that's it. This that's is it. all this that's needs. That's all you need. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And the Applejack, it'll sneak up on you too. Apparently so. Yeah. When you're standing out, or, uh, <laughs> when you're, uh, out at that fire, stand up, you know, when you had a little too much Applejack. <laughs> That is, yeah, that is delicious. So you've got events going on at this distillery. What kind of events can people come out and see and expect? We are always trying to bring in different um, events as far as raising money for our charities. What's your charity? So we do what's called our Drink Well, Do Good campaign. And we are partnered with three charities that um, 50 cents of every transaction we personally give back to one of these charities. So when you're at the tasting room or when you're at one of the farmer's markets and you purchase one of the items, uh, you'll get asked, hey, if we have these three charities, we'll donate 50 cents of your transaction, which one would you like to see it go to? Um, it's a really tough choice because we do have Tales of Valor. They work uh, with partner, uh, partnering veterans with um, a, a, dog, a service dog. Um, so we actually raised enough money that we were able to adopt and sponsor Wargo, who is named after a fallen so- uh, soldier. And Wargo, just a couple months ago, got paired up with his forever veteran. Oh, that's just amazing. So, um, yeah, we hold you know veterans very close to us. And who doesn't love the, the puppies, too? Um, we also work with the uh, Farmer Veteran Coalition. So any veterans that are looking to get into agriculture, it's a really great program to help them. That's get, something get I've not started. heard of before. It's a very cool program. We have them come out and view the distillery all the time. Um, always a great group, guys. Always a really fun afternoon. And then we also work with the cancer support community. Um, so especially recently, um, unfortunately, one of our regular customers' daughter uh, was diagnosed with a uh, childhood leukemia. Uh, we're able to reach out the, to the cancer support community, kind of tap into their resources to help our our customer with that. I think that's just fascinating. And again, it's it's what you're able to do to be a part of community, to give back, to support, to really, um, you know, show the ability to take on, you know, 50 cents out of every glass is a lot of a, a transaction. 50, you know, it's a lot of money when, really at the bottom up. line. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and just 
that that goes back to the eight. It goes back to it the love. It goes back to family, yeah, taking care it, of your family. It really does. Um, definitely. If you are in need, we'll help you out for and, sure. And I'm, I'm partial. So you've got one of the best um, dog um, mascots do. of all yes, distilleries. That would be Maggie. Yes. Yes, that's Chad's uh, Bernice Mountain Dog, Maggie. She's getting big. Yeah, I'm partial Very to Bernice cute. Mountain Dogs. And, uh, you know, not, not to say the other distilleries and their dogs, but uh, you, you're right up there with the favorite, you know, you got the award for the favorite dog oh, mascot. Absolutely. Yeah. She's cutie. We are dog friendly. Okay. So always I'm glad bring, you mentioned yeah, that. Bring so your dogs. Always bring the dogs. Yeah. Especially if Maggie's hanging out. She wants some friends to hang out with. Um, and we do have some dog treats available too in the tasting room. Um, so definitely dog friendly, kid friendly. By all means, bring the kids. Um, and we do have the food available now too. Yeah. So, so we were touching about that. Uh, so you have food on site and, yep. and you're providing food for people that want to just, you know, you spend a couple hours there and really oh, enjoy it. Oh, for sure. We, um, we work with Trey, locally sourced, and uh, Chef Tim. Tim is always working up all these incredible um, tacos, burgers, the little plates um, that incorporate uh, local. We have eggs from the local chicken house and the meat is local. So good food, good booze and uh, and good times. Yep. Sure. And, and great people and great community. Where do people – so if people want to come out and visit the distillery, where are you located? We're located right on Route 309. We're about two minutes up the road from Northwestern Lehigh High School, owned old Homestead Golf Course. Okay. You guys are golfers <laughs> out there. Um, but we can be found um, – we do all the cocktails at the tasting room, but you can uh, purchase our spirits at Allentown Farmer's Market, Easton Public Market, Reading Terminal Market, and then out in the Harrisburg area, we are at Broad Street Market and also in York Central Market. And people can find you on the web? Absolutely. www.8oaksdistillery.com. And the socials? We are on Instagram, Twitter. What am I missing? Uh, Facebook? Facebook. Uh, That's you, a big yeah. one. Today is uh, Facebook started today in 2004 as thefacebook.com, yes. Wow. Yeah, so I don't... Time's flying. Yeah, it I'll really is. What. And especially drinking great spirits, too. I'll say, Yeah. Is there anything that you want to share that I didn't get a chance to talk about today on the podcast? This has been an awesome experience. Thank you. We love telling our story and we love hearing stories too. So anybody, please come out to the distillery. We'd love to hear your story and uh, get to know us and drink some booze. Yeah, come see, come out and see Caitlin, the family, Chad, Logan. All you're all great, really. You know, and, and you're stewards of what's happening in the craft in craft, craft spirit industry, mm-hmm. uh, and and that's just a wonderful experience. So definitely get at, get out to Eight Oaks Farm Distillery. I'm grateful for your time today. I really Absolutely. appreciate you being on the podcast. Yeah, we'll have to tap a barrel next time you're out at the distillery. Tap a barrel. Yeah, you'll pick it and we'll <laughs> tap it. Thank you, Kaylee. Yeah, of course.